Good morning, this is Tim Carter, and welcome to Let's Talk on News Talk 1050 KSIS. Let's Talk is a one-hour program devoted to issues and developments that are of importance to Sedalia and the surrounding communities. With each hour dedicated to a subject, many times with expert guests joining the hosts, Let's Talk can probe deeply into the issues of the week. Let's Talk is hosted by Ron Tolner, John Meehan, and Tim Carter. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another session of Let's Talk on KSIS Radio. With me today is uh, uh, my old team of uh, Tim Carter and John Meehan. Uh, we have a very good program, I think, today. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, Sedalia Public Library, and we have with us in studio Jamie Sparks, who is the um, director of that facility. Uh, has not been for a, for a uh, long period of time, is uh, still rather new at the position, but uh, I'm sure she's going to enlighten us uh, in a number of ways. Uh, before we get going into the detail here, Jamie, why don't we just take a couple minutes, tell us about yourself, your history, education, work-wise, family, so forth. Let us know who Jamie is. Okay. Well, thanks for having me. Um, so my, edu- my background is in education, and um, I grew up here in Sedalia. I'm from Sedalia, went to school here went to Washington in Whittier when it was a fourth and fifth grade building. Um, so I have a lot of background about the community and, and care a lot about it. Um, I've been married for 23 years. My husband and I have three kids, all um, kids that go to school in Sedalia as well. Our oldest is 20, and then we have two boys, um, 17 and 15. So we're busy. Um, but so, yeah, I... I uh, spent most of my career in education. I have a bachelor's degree in um, elementary education and early childhood education. My master's degree is in curriculum and instruction. And then I have a provisional certificate in library media specialist, so I could work in a library in a school. Um, And so I worked uh, at the at Parkview most recently and then decided I was ready for a change and this job came open and I applied. So, excellent. So, so you were involved with the library program in the school district as well. Not directly. Um, just literacy has always been a big focus. And as my um, my last position as an instructional coach, you know, I had a lot of focus in literacy. I didn't work directly in a library though at a school. No. Well, you know, uh, the Sedea Public Library, of course, is, uh, I, I would think, it is well known to a lot of people. It is such a beautiful structure down there on 3rd on Street, um, and it has a lot of history. Uh, I know it has a lot of history in past directors, too. Um, in fact, uh, we were visiting before we uh, went on air about the uh, instructors prior to you, and that was Pam Hunter, and before her, Don Morton. And I don't know what the exact numbers were, but between those two, uh, they covered that library for a number of years. So uh, yes. if you're gonna if you're gonna keep up with those numbers, you're gonna be at that library for at least <laughs> twenty years from now. <laughs> I, that's what they're expecting, I think. Yeah. Right. So what? Um, and, and I know you may be a, at a little bit of a disadvantage on this, uh, but but tell us a little bit about the history of the Sedalia Public Library. Well, I will say that, honestly, I did not know a lot about the history of the library until I started, but there um, has been many opportunities for me to kind of look at it, and it's became something that I didn't think I would really ever be interested in, but it's so fascinating, and um, 
so the first library was founded in Sedalia in like 1871, and it was just a small group of, of community members that pledged like $10 each to support it. So I think that's great that the, the library's always been an important place and need in our community. Um, so throughout the years, there were several attempts to kind of keep it, to keep the library going. Um, there was, you know, different books and things. It was established and in, in, started in a courthouse, and there were membership t tickets that were sold, different ways that they were trying to keep the library going. But it wasn't until um, 1899 that the, the tax, there was a tax levy that was um, passed to finally support the library. So it would be a steady income for the library and, um, you know, finally became a place that was free to everyone in our community. So... That's kind of how it started. Um, as far as the building itself, um, you know, after I think it was in the courthouse, the basement of the courthouse for about four years, and then um, it, we ran out of space. And so there was a need for a building. And then so after that, um, you've probably heard of Andrew Carnegie. He's kind of a big deal at the library. Um, but he donated $50,000 to um, fund the building of the building itself. And um, just really had a vision for Sedalia and the community and how it could grow. So we were the first uh, Carnegie Library in Missouri to be built. So that's pretty special. And the fact that we are still standing and we are still used as a library is kind of unique. Um, there's still a lot of Carnegie Libraries in the state, but not all of them are used as libraries anymore. So, um, so I think we have a pretty special place. You but, know, I, uh, uh, if I recall correctly, I think... Uh, of course, uh, Andrew uh, Carnegie, and by the way, um, this I found out a few years ago when I was spending some time in Pittsburgh, because that was where Andrew was from, uh, and where he basically built his fortune and became one of the great philanthropists of the uh, early uh, 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 20th century. Mm -hmm. Would that be 19th century? Correct me here. 1900s, mm -hmm. anyway, yeah. early 1900s. Uh, but the the residents of Pittsburgh, many of which I talked to, uh, and and he would come up as being such a you know a big part of that city, uh, they told us time and time again that it is not Andrew Carnegie, it is Andrew Carnegie. Oh, okay. And uh, I've I've never verified that, but to, like beyond yeah, the people I, I talked to in Pittsburgh, but uh, that was new to me. But anyway. Uh, I think $50,000 was the amount he contributed back in the early 1900s, mm -hmm. which was obviously a boatload of money right. uh, back then and was a great way to, uh, to, uh, to get us started here. And, of course, I think the library is on the National Register uh, yeah, of Historic right. uh, Buildings. Yeah. Uh, so uh, a phenomenal place. You know, I'm not big in architecture of saying what style it is and this and that, but I just I know it is a beautiful building. Yes, so we just um, celebrated the the building's 121st birthday in July. So it was dedicated July 30th, 1901. So, um, yeah, 121 years this past summer. So the actual functioning of the library, you know, obviously times have changed a lot over the years. Um, and ways of communication have changed. Uh time available has changed, the things that people try to accomplish, the way that people learn. Um, how would you say that the, the functioning of the library has changed over the years? 
Oh, greatly. <laughs> um, you know, I think that originally it started off as, you know, just housing books and people would come and um, that was its sole purpose. And if you come into the library now, you know, it's it's more than that. It's so much more than just books now. We offer, um, you know, a lot of computers usage for our patrons. We help people with, um, you know, their taxes, finding jobs, any ways that we can help them. We offer a lot of programming that's not always been something that the, that libraries offer. So it so it's kind of like the library has evolved more into a community hub, not just um, you know a place that you go to check out books. So it's a gathering place. It's a social place. Um, you know, we have people that come in and just read the newspaper and and chat with each other. You know, th those kinds of things. So it's greatly evolved um, in that way. So. Uh, maybe we might break this down into um, uh, adult services and children's services and, and kind of mm -hmm. get in a little more detail uh, uh, about what those particular age groups can can expect to find uh, through the library and start with whichever you want. It doesn't matter. Okay. Um, so for adult services, we have, like I mentioned earlier, we have... Um, Every month we offer a class or a speaker that comes in that will, you know, share information, teach something or or it be a crafting project, something like that, just to get some people together. We also have um, an adult book club that meets twice a month. So we have a group of people that come in for that. Um, we try to focus on needs of the community. So if there's something that we see that comes up or someone mentions something to us, we'll try to find a way to help. Um, and then, you know, sometimes classes are just fun. Like in February, we have a class that you can come in and learn how to decorate cookies. So just ways that we can get people together. Um, is, and, and also going off of out, or, uh, adult services, we have an outreach program that is focused for adults. But um, if you are unable to visit the library because, um, you know, your health or you physically cannot come into the library, then we have um, a person that goes out into the community and brings books every couple of weeks. So it's just kind of like a book delivery, but it's also personalized because we pick out books for you and your requested items and take them to you. So we want anyone in the community to be able to use our services, even if you can't physically come into the building. I remember as I was perusing the uh, website, uh, seeing the section under adult services regarding book delivery for the homebound. Uh, and, and it really sounded like that was very flexible. I mean, you, you, you didn't need to be incapacitated to use the service, uh, that, that you guys were really flexible in how you do that. And I, I know the question that hit me is how do you determine, I mean, obviously if somebody has something that they want, a particular title or whatever, you can bring that title, but a, a lot of that, do they depend on the outreach director to provide them with something based on what she knows about them? Yes. Um, I'm surprised how well our outreach services librarian knows her patrons. So she finds, you know, books that are in a series or a certain author. Oh, she likes this author. Then she's also going to like this book. Um, and then sometimes we'll bring magazines or um, some of the, our patrons also use audio services. So, um, yeah, we just we just get to know them really well. And we know what kinds of books and authors that they like and just kind of build on that. Now, for purposes of the public that want to reach out uh, for that type of assistance, 
uh, Sarah Harper directs that effort, correct? Right. So they just reach out to her at the library? Yes. Yeah, so you can call the library and ask for Sarah, or we have a direct form on our website that you can that, that email Sarah. So if you're interested in outreach services, uh, you can um, get on our website, find that form, and it'll go directly to Sarah, and she will contact you. Well, I know a few other things that were listed under the adult services, again, on the website uh, was uh, that you have a multitude of reference material, things on local history, things on genealogy and ancestry and heritage. Uh, as, as you said, the public access to uh, computers, uh, and you've got a good Wi-Fi and hotspot system there, databases. Um, I mean, can even do some basic uh, administrative assistance for people like faxing and copying and so forth. So That's right. uh, there are a lot a yes. lot of different things. Yes. How big is uh, how big is the genealogy issue with the library? I'm actually surprised we get a lot of requests for genealogy. So we have um, people that will email us or call and they want, you know, an obituary for, for a family member or they're trying to locate someone in their family. Um, so we will we will search those things for patrons if they can't physically come in or they're not in the area. Um, we have a microfilm machine that we have um, Sedalia Democrat dated back to 1871, so we can look and find articles if you have a general idea of the date <laughs> that helps. Um, so we can we help people a lot finding those materials. I hope need. that uh, I hope that microfilm system doesn't break down because it may be hard to find parts for it now. Yes, we're actually in that transition. We uh, we need to either update our microfilm machine or um, or replace some of the parts, but we're trying to switch over to digital, but we're, we're getting there. For those of you who just joined us, this is Let's Talk. Uh, we are visiting today with Jamie Sparks, director of the Sedalia Public Library. Uh, we're to the end of segment one, so uh, give us a couple minutes and we'll be back with segment two. Good morning and welcome back to Let's Talk. Uh, we have the opportunity and the privilege of having Jamie Sparks, who's the director of the Sedalia Public Library, in our studios this morning. And, and Jamie, earlier in the first session, you talked a little bit about the history of the Sedalia Public Library. Uh, it has, uh, you know, we've got a fantastic building down there, but back in 2011 and 12, there were some major uh, construction issues with that facility. Uh, and, and actually, it had uh, it was a tremendous amount of money, and uh, uh, they actually had to move some of the materials into a temporary location for that. Can, yes. uh, can you tell us a little bit more about how that all came about? Yes, so that was obviously before my time at the library. I do remember visiting the McLaughlin building with my own kids because that was where the library was temporary housed while it was closed. Um, but when I looked back a little bit at articles to see exactly what happened, it, it started off as a, a crack in the southwest corner of the yes. building. And um, so I think it, it was initially, oh, this will be a small fix. We can, you know, kind of repair this. But once um, it was investigated further, there was much more to it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, when I looked back at everything, you know, that, that wall had to be completely remo removed and rebuilt um, from the basement to the roof line. Um, there were extra ba braces that were put in the basement and the main wall floors. The foundation had to be dug up. The columns had to be stabilized outside. Um, the basement children's entrance had to be completely redone. Front porch and steps were removed. So there was a lot to it. 
Um, so the library was temporarily housed in the McLaughlin building downtown from, I believe, August 2012 until it reopened in December of 2013. So quite a long time. But I think it goes to say, you know, in our community how important the library is because we could have sure. easily said we, we have to close and we have nowhere to go. But the community came together and seized the need and how important the library is. So even though it was a temporary fix, we were able to keep library services open for that time. Absolutely. And, of course, the uh, city of Sedalia, yes. uh, City Hall, all of that group down there, administration, worked real closely with the library to see that that uh, all came about because yes. I know that that was a very expensive project. Yes. Uh, but yet, uh, and there was some loans made, and I know you're paying those off with the tax revenues that's coming in now. So, that's right. uh, again, another uh, common denominator of the community coming together and working to keep that service available for us. So, yes. you know, earlier also in the in the program, you talked a little bit about uh, audio services. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think maybe that's something that's maybe not used as it, it, as it could be. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about that? Sure. So um, I think you fall into two categories. I kind of go in both areas because I love physical books more than I do audio books, but it kind of depends on what you're doing and what your need is. So everyone finds their, um, their niche of what they like to read. But um, the library offers over 65,000 print and audio books. That's um, digital services, but also we have some audio books on CD if you rather listen to them in the car or um, that way. But we also have, you know, the microfilms. We have 28 electronic databases on our website. Um, but if you are someone that likes to just read through audio, just through listening, we have a ton of um, digital services like Hoopla. That's one of the ones we use. Um, we have an app called Libby. So you can load it, you know, on your phone or your tablet or however you listen. And, um, and you can just borrow books that the library already purchases so that you can listen to the books. We also have them as ebooks. So if you'd rather read them on your tablet or Kindle, you can do it that way as well. Um, so, you know, I mentioned earlier, I was talking to a friend about, um, you know, she's like, oh, I just, you know, I, I just buy my books on Amazon and I listen to them that way. Um, and so I encouraged her to keep track of how much money she's spending on Amazon just on books, because after you read them, what are you going to do with them? And I said, you know, just kind of add that up and see how much you're, you're spending on your books over the course of a year. And you can save that money by coming to the library. And the, the library is tax funded, so you're already paying for it with your tax money. So come and use our services. So let's shift gears a little bit, uh, Jamie. We've talked about services for uh, the adult community. Mm -hmm. Uh, you obviously do a tremendous amount of things for the children as well. Um, give us uh, some details on, on what that involves. Well, so children's department is near and dear to my heart, obviously, from, you know, being a former teacher. But, um, you know, one of the biggest things that libraries do is, is to promote literacy. And the best way to do that is to start with kids. So um, we think that's pretty important. We offer, you know, di different programs, but a preschool story time where we have kids come in and we do activities, crafts, socializing, um, just focusing on early literacy skills, parent support. 
Um, we also have just fun things for kids to do on Saturdays. We do, um, you know, various STEM activities where we just get some materials out and let kids just play and use their imagination. Um, we have guest authors that come in and um, our big program for the kids is our summer reading program. So that takes place over um, a couple of months, June and July. And so we try to have some really fun events to encourage kids to come in and, and continue to read throughout the summer. Um, and so in another, I'll mention a program that um, we recently did in September was um, National Public Library Card Sign Up Month. And so we partnered with um, the local schools at Sacred Heart and Sedalia 200 and sent home um, library card signups for all of the elementary kids in the in the schools in we got them back and I had no idea. I thought, okay, my goal is to get 50 kids signed up for cards. And we signed up 450 kids in, in, in September. So we were pretty excited about that. So now that the kids are starting to come in with their library cards for the very first time to use them, um, it's been pretty exciting to see their faces like, oh my gosh, this is the library and I have a card with my name on it. So it's pretty fun. As a, uh, a parent who has two young boys, uh, both of our boys have gone to the reading times, and my wife's really enjoyed that. The boys have really enjoyed that. Yeah. And uh, one of the last activities that we did uh, was cooking classes. Oh, yes. Uh, our, our oldest boy, he's seven, and uh, they did some cooking classes where they yes. taught him how to just basic stuff, food prep, how to hold a knife, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a good experience for him. It was great for me because I got to eat whatever they made. <laughs> and uh, But I would encourage you, if you've got young ones, uh, these are great programs to get them involved in. Uh, it's a great opportunity to socialize, get them to socialize, yes. and get used to going to the library, knowing what that's like, and all the resources there are for them. Yeah. Yeah, we partnered with the MU um, Extension Office for that cooking class, and we usually do that every summer. So that'll be something else that we that we do again. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. You know, Jamie, one thing we have found out through this program and all of the local organizations that we have uh, talked to, uh, just example after example of how this community is so tremendous with uh, supporting the various organizations and the organizations themselves working with each other. Uh, I know you mentioned uh, a little bit ago as far as reaching out to the schools to try to get, uh, you know, all those kids with uh, library cards. And uh, how, how would you say the cooperative effort is between you and the local schools? Oh, it's been excellent. I mean, I, I think it helps that I have, um, you know, some um, background with the schools and, and a really working relationship with uh, most of them. Um, but I think it's been great. They've always been open to suggestions and ideas and um, anything that, you know, comes up and in, in, in ways that we can help trying to find needs that they have that maybe they aren't able to meet and then the library can step in and try to help. The uh, I understand that the library, uh, although it is city owned, it does have its own independent uh, board of directors. Uh, well, I say independent. I think they are uh, uh, I think they are assigned by the mayor, I believe. Uh, but uh, is uh, is your board active? Yes, they are. We have a great team. So we have nine members on our board. Um, and you're right, they are appointed by the mayor of the city of Sedalia. Um, they serve three-year terms. Um, and just recently, we've been, we tried a new recruiting process. I'm pretty proud of that. Um, we've gone through, um, as a group, 
some trainings together, board trainings, and how we can be better um, as a board and how we can plan for the future. And one of those things was to try to recruit um, a diverse members from our community. So we're re representing everyone that lives in Sedalia. Um, so we um, just had an application process. That's what we currently have now. Um, we were surprised how many people applied to serve on the board. And so when we had a couple of openings, we were able to um, choose from the applicants that applied. And then, of course, Mayor Dawson makes that final recommendation about who he would like to serve on the board. But we have a great team right now, and they are very um, open and active and um, passionate about the library. We were talking a second ago about the cooperative nature of uh, the, the public library, the city library, and the school districts. Uh, are there other organizations that uh, in the area that you tend to uh, uh, you know have a have a fair amount of involvement with? And, and also, one of the other things that comes to mind to me is we have another library in the community, the mm -hmm. Boonslick Library. Mm -hmm. uh, and and is there any uh, cooperative involvement between you and that institution? Uh, yeah, the first thing that comes up, we. Um we work a lot with the city of Sedalia, um, so I know they've done a lot of events and things downtown. Uh, last, I believe it was April for um, National Public Library Month, we had a partnership with Boonslick and the city of Sedalia where we did a book walk. So we had um, businesses downtown that let us display pages of our books, and then uh, families got to go around and kind of had um, walked around to read the entire book, and then they ended up at either the public library or Boonslick library, and then we, of course, enticed them to get a card and check things out and show them around at the library. Mm -hmm. So it was a great way to partner. Um, we've also, it, I think it was a cookie walk over the holidays the city of Sedalia put on, and we were part of that too. So we've been trying to just, whenever the opportunity arises, that we can be involved in what they're offering. Um, it just helps keep us out there and active as well. You know, and another again, referring to your to your website, uh, an, another service that I saw referenced out there, which, frankly, I, I never gave a thought to uh, until I uh, saw it, but uh, was the fact that we talked earlier about how you uh, have a system whereby you uh, deliver reading materials out to the public, the homebound, and so on and so forth, and you also do that to the city jail. We have not, we haven't set that quite up yet, but we do make donations there. Um, so we have a partnership with them where um, if we have, which we always have books that we're discarding, we are con in that constant um, circle of buying, purchasing, and removing books. So um, when we remove books that um, are not being checked out, um, then we have made some donations to, uh, to and the I, And I'm glad you brought up the concept of of constantly updating your holding of library materials. How does that work? Well, I will tell you it's hard because <laughs> you don't want to let go of your books, but we also want to stay current and relevant with the materials that we offer, and we only have so much space. So um, basically what we do, it looks like um, we, re we print off reports that tells us, okay, in the last six years, this book has had less than six checkouts or whatever our criteria is. 
Um, obviously, if it's a classic or one that's out of print or part of an important series, we don't remove them. But um, we that's how we, we we call it weeding. That's how we weed the books. Um, I actually was just doing that yesterday. So if you came in my office right now, you would see my floor and table is full of books. But all but all of those books that you're weeding out find a home somewhere. We try to donate them, um, but and then we also resell them. So we get some of our money back. Um, and we, yeah, we donate, recycle. We have a book sale. So in March, we'll have a book sale. All of those books that we can't sell, we will try to sell to the public. So that's what we do with them. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, so we're in the process here of uh, wrapping up uh, segment two of Let's Talk this morning. Uh, we'll be back in just a couple of minutes with uh, our last segment, segment three. So uh, stay tuned. Welcome back to the third and final segment of Let's Talk. Uh, the uh, Let's Talk crew uh, is uh, in studio today uh, with uh, Tim Carter, John Meehan, and myself, Ron Toller. And uh, we have a great guest here today, uh, Jamie Sparks, director of the Sedalia Public Library. And uh, we've been talking all things books and information. Um, Jamie, to hit on a few other things here in our last segment, uh, of course, Sedalia has kind of become a melting pot of, uh, of individuals. Uh, we have a lot of Hispanic uh, residents. We have a lot of Ukrainian uh, residents and, and others as well. Uh, how, how does serving those populations uh, work with the library? Well, we try to meet the needs of everyone in our community. So we have um, collections that are um, printed just in Spanish for anyone that may need to utilize that. Um, and just recently, we had, um, you know, an influx of, of more families taking in relatives from Ukraine. And so we had some requests for uh, children's books that were both in Ukrainian and English. So we um, bought all of the ones that are available currently to try to help with that need so that um, anyone that's homeschooling, you know, families has access to books that they can read. So we, yeah, we try to meet that need. And I think the key there is you said you bought all that were available. So mm -hmm. uh, there's obviously a limit to that, but you are certainly trying to meet that need uh, as best you can with what resources are there. That's right. Yeah, we're if, if there's a need, we're going to try to find a way to meet it so we can help however we can. Different subject. Uh, patrons utilization of the library. Uh, I think probably a huge misnomer uh, in, in this area is who can use the library. What's your answer to that? Everyone can use the library. <laughs> um, I agree. I think I'm surprised by how many people um, think they cannot use the library because of where they live. So um, obviously, our primary service lies to the patrons in the library district, which is, um, you know, the people that pay taxes that fund the library. And um, but we serve everyone. So even if you live outside of the city limits, or um, outside of Pettis County, you just have to pay a small fee, either $20 or $25 for a year. And that includes your whole family. So your whole family can get a card. If you have a family of five, you're paying $20 to come in and use all of our resources. And um, I think that's a great deal, especially if you buy things on Amazon or you're someone that reads, um, you know, digitally and you're, and you're purchasing things that way. If you're paying $20 for your whole family to come and use the library, um, you're saving a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yes, everyone can get a card. And the cost, like you said, is $20 if you're within county, correct? 
Right. If you're within Pettis County or you own a business in Pettis County, that's $20. If you're outside of Pettis County, you can get a card for $25 for your whole household. You know, there aren't a whole lot of bargains left in this world, but I, I would say that is one. I think it is too. Yeah. Um, tell us about, uh, you know, obviously the library cannot do great things without great people. Uh, who who are your staff and, and, uh, and just what do they do for you? Um, we have... 12 people total that work at the library, which I think sometimes is surprising that we have so many people that work there. And um, I, you know, when I took on the this role last November, they just embraced me and they've been excellent in helping me understand. They've been excellent in anything I ask. You know, sometimes change can be hard and scary. And um, they've been a sounding board. They've given advice. They've given me background knowledge that I, I may not know. Um, but they, first of all, just want to serve um, the community, and they are so welcoming. I, I love it whenever I hear them, you know, call patrons by name or say, hey, did you know that this author had a new book come out? So we try to really make relationships with patrons and make sure they feel welcome and, and try to figure out how we can best help them. And then, again, we mentioned briefly your uh, board of directors uh, previously. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what, what, uh, what, what kind of assistance do you have from the board? They are just, I feel like they're just an open book. They are, they've been super open to ever, all of my ideas. Um, I feel like we have a great working relationship and, um, and they're willing to be a learner. Um, you know, whenever I, I spoke earlier about a board training that we took on, that, that happened over a four-month time span. And, you know, these are people that are not getting paid to do this job. They come in and they, they meet every month and they work beyond that to try to, um, to make the library the best that it can be. So to put in the time and effort it takes to grow and change, I think, um, is pretty significant. So I'm really thankful for everything that they do. And, you know, going back to your personnel, your staff for just a minute, I know you mentioned uh, again to us off mic, uh, we were talking about the experience with those people and how much they, they do for the effort. And I think you've even got someone on staff that's been there 40 years. Yes, if you've if you've been in the library, you know Judy, and she is uh yeah she's she started working at the library I have right out of high school, and she's still there. She um, does all our cataloging and um, interlibrary loans. So we borrow if you if you need a book that we don't have, we can borrow it from another library. So that's another service we didn't mention earlier, um, but we yeah we, we will get the book that you need. So whether we purchase it or we borrow it, but yeah Judy's been um, great. She she knows all of the stuff about the library, and she <laughs> she's been. A a great resource to me. You know, we haven't actually talked about this, but I, I'm sure I already know the answer. Uh, if someone wants to get to know the library for the first time or get to know it better, uh, I'm sure you provide tours of that facility. We do. Um, we we offer field trips, obviously, for kids. We have them come a lot. But um, we just recently, we made a self-guided tour. I didn't bring it with me, but if you come by the library, um, it's basically 10 interesting spots in the library. So, um, you know, staff may not always have time to take you on a self-guided tour, but we want people that are interested to be able to walk around on their own and find the location and get a little bit of information about some special spots in the library. So, you know, 
I didn't know this un until I started, but it, under the front porch outside is, um, you know, the original colors and artwork um, that are kind of a, a pink and pretty green color that if you don't know it's there and you don't know to look up, then um, you miss it. And so that's on that's on our self-guided tour. So there's 10 spots that you can walk around on your own and, and just discover. So I, I invite everyone to come in if you're interested. It's a great uh, way to learn about the building. Talk about the business side of things for a little bit. You know, obviously anything we do uh, re requires funding and the library is no different than that. Uh, what about the sources of the revenue for the library and, and then your primary expenditures? Well, our um, our primary funding is through local tax money. So that's how the library is um, is funded. We operate at um, just under $770,000 for the year. This is last year's numbers. But um, so the majority of that is made up by tax, tax money, local tax money. We also have state aid um, that we get some money from the state. And then, of course, we apply for grants. So um, any projects or materials, software, computers, things like that. Um, we would apply for a grant that is a federal grant. Um, as far as expenditures, you know, most of our um, expenditures goes towards our amazing staff and sal uh, so that we can pay salaries and benefits to them. Um, and then the rest of that is, is operating expenditures. So, you know, insurance, our computer software, um, safety um, things that we put in place, our print and digital collections that we pay for, um, our automation system that we use to check in and check out books, um, and just the operation of the building in general. Okay, so we got five minutes for away, guys. Good morning. If you've just joined us, uh, this is John Meehan with Ron Tolner and Tim Carter in, in KSIS 1050 Radio Studios this morning. And we have a, a fine young lady here that is uh, with the uh, director of the Sedalia Library, Jamie Sparks. So, Jamie, thank you again for spending a little time with us here this morning. Uh, you know, one thing, we've talked about several things and, and the services that the Sedalia Public Library offers. Uh, and I've known a few people that go in and use the computer systems that you have there. Uh, how many computer systems, uh, how many computers do you have available for the walk-in public? Currently, we have eight um, public desktop computers. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we offer, you know, free Wi-Fi for anyone that brings in their own device or laptop. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we, we have a – and then we have a couple of computers downstairs as well that are in children's department. So they're separated from the main floor. Okay. And, and publications, I've been in there before and was able to read a newspaper or two. Uh, a person could walk in there and read what? Well, of course, we have the Sedalia Democrat. Um, we have the Columbia Tribune, um, Wall Street Journal. We recently had um, Kansas City Star, but we're having some delivery issues with them. But we mm -hmm. those are usually the, the main ones that we have. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... Uh, did we miss any other services in, in the previous segments that, uh, that you would like to make sure that the public is aware of? Um, I think that we covered everything. I mean, I know that, you know, like we talked about, outreach is very important. Um, that interlibrary loan is important where we can borrow books for people. Um, on our website, you can sign up for an interlibrary loan if you need to make a request. You can also make a request um, for a new book on our website. Our new website just launched 
yeah, uh, Wednesday. So it might, it'll look a little different if you were on it previously. And we tried to um, make it a little more user-friendly and put in those things that we see come up often, like the genealogy requests or um, the book requests. So we have forms for those and, and some ways to make that a little easier for patrons. You know, I... Um... For as long as I remember, uh, there's always a, a, a weekly uh, notification in the Sedalia Democrat about uh, new books available at the libraries yes. here in town. Yes. Um, you know, there's a lot of books I'm sure I would like to read, but maybe I don't know what they are or, or what I like to read. Uh, I mean, is there a way through the library to determine uh, the most popular books, uh, you know, those that are getting the most use, um, you know, if, if I, if I came in pretty ignorant about what I wanted to find, mm -hmm. what would I do? Yes, we have a few different ways that we can help. So on our website, um, you'll kind of see at the bottom, some pictures of the newest releases that we have in the library. So you'll see those pictures that scroll along the bottom. So that's a good place to look if you're looking for what's coming out. And then like you mentioned, um, we have the bestsellers list that comes out in the um, Sedalia Democrat. And then I didn't mention this earlier, so I'm glad you brought that up. But we, um, I write a, a, a monthly column in the Sedalia Democrat. It comes out the second Thursday of each month. And so we write about various things, but some of, sometimes it will be book recommendations. So in the past, we've written about the history of the library. Um, we've written about summer reading programs. So different things that are happening, but sometimes we'll write about books that are coming out too. Um, and then our newsletter is another way that we promote books that are coming out. So that is a monthly, um, we, we have that come out at the first of every month and that's through email. So you do have to sign up for that, but you can sign up on our website. Um, there's a form for that as well. So if you would like to get our monthly email, that's a good place to know what's happening at the library. Excellent. And it, and it, it went right through one ear and out the other when you talked about when that column comes out in the paper. When is that? It's the second Thursday. Yeah. Okay. All right. So as we're to the point of wrapping up here for this week, um, we want to give you an opportunity to talk about uh, Jamie's wish list for the Sedalia Public Library. Uh, what, uh, what would you, uh, what would you, what would be your state of the union address for the library? And what do you want to, what do you want to see happen there? Well, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I want to, you know, make sure that we honor our our mission. Our mission statement is to bring individuals, information, and ideas together. So every decision I make or idea I have, I try to go back to that mission and make sure that it's meeting that need. Um, our vision, we just updated everything. So we're trying to work towards, you know, being a, a trusted resource for the community. Um, we want to be at the heart of the community. We want people to come in and, you know, like we mentioned earlier, socialize and find um, that place that, that um, you know, that's my favorite thing about the library. You can come in and spend as much time as you want. You don't have to buy anything. You don't have to do anything. It's, it's a great, just quiet place to be. Um, but, you know, we just want to connect people to opportunities and make sure that we're enriching their lives. Um, we're keeping them curious. We want to inspire that lifetime of learning for people. Um, you know, specifically goals that I have, you know, we're obviously always working towards being a 21st century library in a building that was, you know, built in the 19th century. So that's always challenging. But, um, but you know, that history and the building itself is so special that, um, you know, continuing to expand on that is important to me. 
having that relationship with my staff and board and the city is is very important as well. Um, and we just want to have a clear goal, you know, clear goals for the library to, to, to kind of move into the future. So thinking about what's it going to look like in a, in a year from now, what will it look like three years from now? Tremendous, tremendous. We'd like to thank Jamie Sparks for being with us this morning. That's a wrap for this, uh, this uh, program. Again, uh, stay tuned every Saturday at uh, 10 a.m. for uh, Let's Talk. And for Tim Carter and John Meehan, this is Ron Toller. And thank you much.